everybody. Welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is February 27th. Today, we continue this week's Come Follow Me blog, and we're going to jump over into 2 Nephi chapter 13, which we can compare to Isaiah chapter 3. Now, before I get into the bulk of the scriptures that I want to talk about, there's one verse, actually the first verse of this chapter, that has some really neat symbolism and things that we can learn for our lives that I just want to touch on before we get into the bulk here. In verse 1, it says, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole staff of water. What I love about this scripture is it's a great example of symbolism that Isaiah uses that in his time would have been easily recognized, easily understood. The people would have heard it and been like, oh, yep, exactly. And we might hear it and be like, what? Like, what exactly does that mean? So let's talk a little bit about this symbolism, what it means and how we can apply it into our lives. So Isaiah talks about a stay and a staff. So let's talk about what those two things mean. A staff at the time would have been a symbol of power or a symbol of authority. And so here, when it talks about they are going to lose the staff, it's talking about priesthood power and priesthood authority. And then when it says stay here, the word stay means a support. And so it's talking about the support of Christ that comes through righteous living, through covenant keeping. And so here when it says that the Lord is going to take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay or the support of Christ and the staff or the priesthood power of Christ. And then it goes on and even more symbolism here, it says the whole stay of bread and the whole staff of water. The Savior called himself the bread of life and living water. This is talking about choices that the people are making to turn their backs on their beliefs and their covenants, and it's going to lead to apostasy, a loss of priesthood power, a loss of support, a loss of understanding who Christ is. And oftentimes when we talk about apostasy, we talk about it in a general sense, right? A worldwide apostasy. But this scripture can be as true for us individually as it was for Jerusalem and Judah as a whole. But this scripture holds true for us as individuals as well. When we turn our back on God and when we turn our back on our covenants, when we reject and walk away from the prophets and from the teachings of Christ, we find ourselves in the same situation where the support of Christ and the power and priesthood of Christ are removed from our lives and we are left without the bread of life and the living water. So really neat symbolism there, but let's jump over to verse 16. This verse says, Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and make a tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head, and the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. Now, again, a lot of symbolism here, right? But we really get this imagery of these women walking around in a very proud, prideful way, very adorned so adorned that they're making a tinkling with their feet as they go. Now, 
I think something that's really important to recognize here is that I don't believe for a second that the Lord is only calling out women as falling into this cycle of pride and vanity. In fact, if we look at scriptures, oftentimes the Lord uses women as a symbol of the church as a whole. In Revelations chapter 12, the woman in that chapter was speaking of and referring to the church as a whole. In Isaiah chapter 37 is another reference to the daughters of Zion, but this reference in Isaiah 37 also is referring to the church as a whole. It also reminds me of the parable of the ten virgins. Those women were representing the church as a whole, not just the women of the church. And so here, when the Lord calls out the daughters of Zion. He's not just saying, hey, the women have a problem here. He's saying there is pride entering into the church as a whole. Now, another really important cross-reference for this is Helaman chapter 3, verse 33. When it's talking about the peace that was in the land, it said that there was peace, save it were the pride which began to enter into the church, not into the church of God, but into the hearts of the people who profess to belong to the church of God. And so here, when it's talking about the pride and the vanity of the church, it's not talking about the church as a structure or the church as an organization. It's talking about the hearts of the members of the church. Now, what's interesting about this particular verse and also the first one that we read is that they are both examples, perfect examples of dualistic prophecy, meaning a prophecy that's given that's true for multiple time periods. Isaiah is calling out the people of his day. He's calling out what's going to happen soon. But it's also a prophecy that holds true for the latter days as well and a warning for us in the latter days as well. But then what's interesting is it says that the Lord is going to smite or humble these people. There's going to be a scab on the crown of the head and the Lord will discover their secret parts, meaning all the wickedness, all the vanity, all of that will eventually be uncovered. That's the funny thing about wickedness is that the adversary would have us believe that we can hide our wickedness, that we can hide our vanity, that we can hide our pride, that we can hide our covenant breaking, right? And for a time, that might be true. Maybe people are doing a really good job of hiding addictions or hiding different things. But what the Lord says here is that eventually all of that will be uncovered. And it will be seen as a scab on the head that we cannot hide from the Lord and he will uncover those secrets that we try to keep. So as members of the church, we need to be so careful about practicing what we preach, about holding tight to our covenants, not trying to hide or cover things up. If we feel like we have to hide or cover something up, it's a pretty good sign that we probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. So speaking of the daughters of Zion representing the church as a whole, it reminds me a lot of the parable of the 10 virgins. Because oftentimes when we read that parable, we think, oh, yep, it's talking about members of the church who are ready and have their lamps filled, and then non-members who are not ready and don't have their lamps filled. But actually, Spencer W. Kimball taught that the 10 virgins represented the church, all 10 of them, and the various stages of preparedness within the members of the church. Spencer W. Kimball said, I believe that the ten virgins represent the people of the church of Jesus Christ and not the rank and file of the world. All of the virgins, wise and foolish, had accepted the invitation to the wedding supper. They had knowledge of the program and had been warned of the important day to come. They were not Gentiles 
or the heathens, or the pagans, nor were they necessarily corrupt and reprobate, but they were knowing people who were foolishly unprepared for the vital happenings that were to affect their eternal lives. They had the saving, exalting gospel, but it had not been made the center of their lives. They knew the way, but only gave a small measure of loyalty and devotion. I ask you, what is the value of a car without an engine, a cup without water, a table without food, a lamp without oil? And so we have this warning here about us as members of the church, covenant-making members of the church. And what will we do with our time here on this earth? Will we give heed to the ways of the world and the desires of the world while letting the will and the covenants of the Lord slip by the wayside? Or will we stand firm, placing the gospel at the center of our lives? In order to do that, we need to daily add oil to our lamps. We need to daily shake off the ways of the world, shake off the pride and the vanity of the world and the lures of the world. President Kimball teaches us how. He says, attendance at our sacrament meetings adds oil to our lamps, drop by drop over the years. Fasting, family prayer, home teaching, control of bodily appetites, preaching the gospel, studying the scriptures, each act of dedication and obedience is a drop added to our store. Deeds of kindness, payment of offerings and tithes, chaste thoughts and actions, marriage in the covenant for eternity, these too contribute importantly to the oil with which we can at midnight refuel our exhausted lamps. My friends, the things we do each day matter. The choices that we make matter. Each thing that we do, large or small, is a drop of oil added to our lamp. It is a way to shake off the pride, the vanity, and the temptations of the world. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.